Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessings of being in America, being in the United States, where we have freedom to gather, study your word together, the privilege we have to learn from your Holy Spirit, from your scriptures, Father, of what we need to do to live for you. As 2016 begins, Father, may we anew um, show our faith, show our gratitude to you, Father, for saving us, because it's all of you from start to finish. We're just thankful to be your sons and daughters. And I pray, Father, as we uh, look to guidance from your word, Father, that you'll give me the words to speak through your Holy Spirit, that we might apply what we're going to look at this morning. Thank you again for each one here. Continue to bless, lead, and guide each one. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Noah Webster defines courage as bravery, that quality of mind which enables men to encourage danger and difficulties with firmness, without fear. He talks about valor with boldness and resolution. Last year, there was a Christian movie called Courageous, which involved four law enforcement officers and their families. And through tragedy, these officers were challenged to look at their role as fathers and the courage it takes to be leaders, teachers, and mentors to our children. Biblical examples of courage are numerous, but include Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, who uh, had the courage to stand up and say before the world leader at that time, we will not worship other gods, but only the true God. And they faced a fiery furnace, and God saw them through. That took courage for them to speak up. Gideon and his army of 300 that showed courage against an enemy of thousands in Judges 7. That God used Gideon as a leader. We see Peter in his second sermon accusing fellow Jews of murdering Jesus in Acts 3. How much courage did that take for Peter to share that message God led him to share? Well, this morning we're going to look at three ways true believers like Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua, how we need to show courage in troubled times. Join me in Joshua chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 14 through 21 this morning. And as we begin 2016, we would all agree we live in troubled times with social issues, becoming anti-God's word issues, crimes against Christians growing, tolerance for everyone's views except believers who believe the Bible. Yet it says in Ephesians 6.13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We stand only in God's power. As we're going to see in Joshua Joshua stood in God's power, not his own. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast, what? In the Lord, beloved. As we begin 2016, we need to remember our strength is in God, in Him alone. 
If we look at everything else, if we try to stand with anything else, we're going to fall. But when we keep God first in our lives, we'll be able to stand. It takes courage to stand. But as true believers, that is what we're called to do in God's strength alone. So join me in Joshua chapter 24, beginning at verse 14 through 21. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and who did great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through which midst we passed." And the Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, You will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Before we look at this passage and we look at these Uh, Three ways that we must show courage in troubled times. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Joshua and all the Old Testament characters, how you used them because they were willing to be used of you. Father, as we look at this passage, give me clearness of thought as I share your word with your people. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters here and for the privilege to open your word together. And I pray, Father, you'll teach us, bless us, help us to apply what we learn this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, before we look at these verses, we need to know the context of Joshua 24. As we have the renewal of the covenant between God and the nation of Israel spelled out. And Joshua near the end of his life giving his closing lecture, his sermon reminding the people of Israel they must make a choice. And once they make that choice, stay true to that choice. Our text today focuses in on the nation of Israel being challenged by God's chosen leader, Joshua to renew their covenant with God. This godly man, Joshua, shows courage as a true believer as he shares this final parting message with his brothers and sisters. The first way that true believers must show courage is revealed in verses 14 and the first part of 15. And that is courage to speak up. 
Let's look again at verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Courage to speak up. Joshua, in the midst of Israel, in the midst of his own nation, spoke up, even though most of them around him worshipped idols and not the true God. When Joshua speaks up, he uses active verbs here. First of all, he says, fear the Lord. The fear here means from apprehension of danger and a sense of our own weakness. In ourselves, we wouldn't speak up, but only with God's help and power. Joshua just pointed out how God had blessed the nation of Israel earlier in Joshua 24. By application, God has blessed America, and yet idolatry is rampant as well. Gambling galore, including the lottery and fantasy football, homosexuality promoted at all levels, abortions continue, political corruption, the list could go on. Where is the fear, the godly fear of God today in America? For the most part, it's like a buddy or a genie or someone I can make a deal with rather than the realization that our God is holy, totally without sin. We need to fear Him out of a godly fear, respect. And I don't know what environment you're in on a daily basis, but at the jail, I see a little, very little of godly respect. I hear His name used many times, and I'm sure you do as well, but not in a respectful way, not in a godly way. Joshua is telling them, his brothers and sisters, those part of the nation of Israel, fear the Lord. Actively fear Him. Get up in the morning and say, God, I know you're fully holy, but I praise you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. You did it all in my salvation. It's by grace alone. I had no part, but you chose me and you saved me and you keep me and you preserve me. And that's something every day we should be doing when we start the day. The second active verb, Joshua says, serve him in sincerity and in truth, means to work, to labor. As in 1 Samuel 7, 3, Samuel spoke to the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. How much time in our week, our daily days, that, that we wake up, that 24-hour period, do we spend serving, working, laboring for the Lord? When the Lord prompts us to do something, do we do something? Or we say, well, I can wait till tomorrow. When God says, help a brother or sister, do we respond or we'll say, let somebody else do it? How much are we serving God in sincerity and in truth? 
third active verb talks about here in verse 14. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Put away means turn away from those. Turn back to God. Turn back from the false and turn to the true, which is turning back to God. Many Jews had brought along the idols from Egypt, continued to worship them, and still had them in their homes. Whatever idol, whatever replaces God in our lives, we need to turn away from. And we need to turn our focus totally on God. That's the fourth active verb, the end of verse 14. Serve the Lord. Israel's loyalty and our loyalty must be toward the Lord. Serve has the idea of laboring, of working, to be subject to a conqueror. And we think of God as our conqueror. That should bring a wonderful picture that we can serve the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, who just said, let it be and it was, by his spoken word. In the first part of verse 15, he says basically that first part, choose, select, prefer. Whether you're going to continue what you're doing in serving idols or whether you're going to turn back to God and serve Him. In Exodus 17:9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Choose. We make a choice every day. I had one inmate about a week ago. He said, well, I don't always choose to serve God today. I said, you've made a choice. No, I didn't. Yeah. When you're not serving the Lord, who are you serving? I said, oh, wow. Didn't think of that. <laughs> That's the challenge we should have each day too. If we're not serving the Lord, if He's not first in our life, if our lives aren't bringing honor and glory to Him, who are we serving? The words to the old hymn, Who is on the Lord's side? That's an old one. Anybody else ever heard of that? Or am I just too old? Okay, a couple of you have. Who's on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Wow, if we can just live that every day, amen? Because there's enough people living for Satan, for the world. But we're it. God wants to use us, but we have to be willing to be used of him. Others who spoke up in the Bible include Paul in Acts 19 as he was in the schools of the day and performed miracles among those who were false teachers in his day. We forget about Saul, don't we, when we talk of Paul. What was Saul? He was part of that group. God saved him. God brought him to him. Stephen spoke up in Acts 8 and Acts 22 as he was stoned to death. He said, God, don't hold it to their account. Stephen was walking with God. Henry Ironside says this about idolatry. So long as anything is given the place in our hearts that belong to God himself, there can never be the fullness of blessing that he would have us enjoy. God wants to bless us. But when we get other things in the way, we're blocking it. 
We're saying, God, you're not number one. You're number eight today. And God's saying, I want to bless you, but you've got all this stuff here in between. You've got to keep them number one. Joshua saw all the idolatry going on around him, and he spoke that it was time to reveal who was a true believer in God and who was not. The difference between professing and possessing. Does that make a difference? It's when the hard times come, right? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Where's your, what, what is your trust toward? Who is it in? Who's going to see you through when you can't even look up at times because so many things are coming at you at once? God says you can always look up to me. I'm always there. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm right there with you. Hang on to me. God says, give me your burdens. And I'll help you through the day. Sometimes it's through the hour. Amen. You ever have those days that don't seem to end? You ever had one of those in your life? How many have had that? (laughs) I won't say how many have had two or three or whatever, multiple. But we all have those, don't we? And it's who we look to through those times that our faith can grow or can shrink. That our trust in God says, God, you are number one. I'm going to trust you. I don't know how it's going to come out, but I know you're on the throne. And I claim Romans 8.28, I know that all things work together. How many? What does that mean? Half? A third? A hundred percent. But that's the opportunities we have to grow. As James reminds us, as Pastor Joe shared many times in James, those trials have a purpose. They're not there in any way to, to be something bad. They're something good. But it's how we view it, through God's eyes or through our own eyes. We all have opportunities to speak up like Joshua's doing here. In our workplace, with our neighbors, Treating that, what is that called, dollar weed, three times if you have to because it's blowing over from the neighbor's lawn and still saying hi, good morning. I know nobody else has that happen, but uh, I've experienced a lot of bonus S uh, this season. But you know, the world's watching. All they see is what comes natural. But if they see in us some glimpse, some glimmer, Of Jesus. That's what we're to be doing. By the lives we touch every day. And we do touch lives. Whether we think we are or not. We do. The world's watching. So the first way here. That we see Joshua. As a believer in God. He stands up. Even though he saw everything. Going another direction. He stood up. The second way true believers must show courage is revealed in the very last part of verse 15. And here's what it says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua showed courage to be committed. He said, you can all choose. But as for me and my house, I'm committing I'm going to have the courage to say, I'm committing my family and me to serving the Lord. You have a choice, but I'm making a choice, and I want you to know what it is. The leader of the nation of Israel wanted everyone to know, 
My family and I are committed to serving the Lord. Bold statement in the midst of all the idolatry going on. Idolatry in Joshua's day included the idols of worship of bulls and cats and dogs and cows and crocodiles and onions as well. They worshipped onions. The gods from the Amorites, which included the sky god and the god of the mountain. They're all false gods, but the people were worshipping all them. Onions, I couldn't get over that. John MacArthur shares, Joshua's fatherly model, reminiscent of Abraham in Genesis, was for himself and his family to serve the Lord not false gods. He called others in Israel to this, and they committed themselves to serve the Lord also. He was a leader. He stood up. He said, okay, I'm going to set an example. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've made the choice. We're committed. Commitment means to give in trust, to put into the hands or power of another, to entrust In Joshua's day, he as the commander of Israel's army committed and trusted his family and said, I'm going to be an example. I want to show you my family and I are going to serve the Lord. Henry Ironside, he shares uh, quite in funny ways at times about this passage. He shares, for the doughty old warrior, doughty, I don't hear that word a lot, For the doughty old warrior who had been so much of the mighty acts of the one true and living God, there could be no thought of any other God. How many times did God use Joshua as a commander and leader of Israel for his glory? Today in our society, to be committed to serving the Lord means we're going to suffer persecution along the way. Several in our church have shared the persecution that they've faced for their faith. But we are in good company. Look at Peter. We're not going to read the whole passage, but in Acts 4, verses 1 to 12, and then 18 to 21, Peter stood up and shared a message that he knew wouldn't be popular. But God said, share the message. Because we need to be committed. We are committed to something. You say, well, I, I don't know. I haven't really made a choice. When we don't choose God, we've committed it to something. Something else. Someone else. Anyone but God. And I shared uh, with the inmates a few weeks ago. I said, if we're not pleasing God, who are we pleasing? Satan. The world. And if Satan can get us to believe in anything or anyone but God, he's happy. Because he knows we're not reflecting to the world Jesus. And that he is the answer. I use John 14, 6 quite often. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but through me. Period. That's it. There is no add-on. There is no exception. It's through Jesus Christ alone. If we are committed to following God no matter what, as was General Joshua, we have courage enough to lead by example. We're going to look at another example in Philippians. Let's look over Philippians and see the example of Paul. Clear over to the New Testament. 
I've got so many other notes and things in my Bible here. I'll see if I can make it over there. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish in order that what? I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. A righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow. What verses to challenge us to make us think anew of how important it is. To be thankful for all God has given us. Thanksgiving isn't one day a year. It should be every day. In our prayers, it should begin with thankfulness. First, God saved us. How can we ever thank Him enough? You think God ever gets tired of us thanking Him? No. Never. We can never repay. And so as we give our lives one day, one hour, one minute at a time to seeking to please God, to glorify His name, we are doing what God has called us to do here on this earth because the world desperately needs Jesus. Amen? We only walk this journey in life once. And believe me, I hear from inmates all the time, but chaplain, what about reincarnation? And I'm going to be a bug coming back, or I'm going to be a butterfly. I, I just feel it and all this. <laughs> I thank God our salvation isn't based on feelings, is it? It's based on the truth of God's Word. On the truth that God cannot lie. He's without sin. And so what He says is true. And we need to believe it on a daily level. We need to have the courage to commit our ways to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord, what? With half your heart? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. How many? All our ways. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Will direct your path but it's we got to trust and God's the one we got to put our trust in the third way genuine believers must show courage in these troubled times is shared beginning of verse 16 the people answered and said far it be it from us that we'd forsake the Lord to serve other gods for the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did these great signs in her sight, preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. They're making a commitment, aren't they? They're saying, Joshua, we understand. We need to make a commitment. That third way that we must show courage is the courage to warn others. 
Joshua saw what was going on with the people. Many of them were worshiping wrong idols, not the true God. And he was warning them. And that takes courage to stand up and warn them. And they said, far be it from us. The people said, really they're saying, not on our table. It's far off. It's not in our realm of possibility at this point. So we're going to abandon serving the idols. And we're going to start to serve God again. So they responded in a positive way. Dr. John Davis, a teacher at Grace Seminary, uh, where I was in Indiana, shares true service also provides separation. Thus the children of Israel were commanded to put away the gods which were among them. The people agreed to these stipulations and Joshua reminded them of the tremendous obligation that was theirs in the light of this commitment. When we commit to God, we need to mean business. And sometimes we need to every day, sometimes many times a day, say, God, I've strayed. I want to renew that commitment. I've failed. I've, I ask your forgiveness. I want to get back right with you. We need to admit it. As Americans, we've been so blessed by God, and yet as a nation, we have turned our backs on Him. False gods for Israel were actual idols and their sinful practices. Today, false gods and idols, I'm going to bring this up, I know this probably isn't popular, is sports. Sometimes playing sports, sometimes betting. And this last one, I've got to remind myself, watching sports. Whew. Boy, Pastor Steve's going a little long. I'm going to miss the kickoff. That Super Bowl's tonight. I don't know. I don't know if I can put church in my schedule. <laughs> it's a battle, isn't it? And then I saw my alma mater, Kansas State, get slaughtered yesterday. But at least they made it to a bowl game. I was thankful for that. And even watching sports. I know. I'm looking at myself. My wife's smiling. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I, uh, I have to, to learn to en- enjoy it, win or lose, right? Amen? I'm learning. Now, verse 19, we need to pause for a strong warning by Joshua. Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done good to you. Joshua pauses here to give a warning. God's holiness. Holy means to be pure, clean, sacred, free from sin. Israel nor believers of the church, us, are holy as we still sin, but it's God's righteousness that we are accepted. It's Jesus' righteousness. Joshua points out, God is a jealous God. God is moved to jealousy when the honor due to Him is given to idols. In many, many instances, we aren't going to go into those had gone on with the nation of Israel. But as I think of the honor being taken away from God, I think of the story in 2 Kings 5 of Elisha and Gehazi. Elisha, the prophet, 
told Naaman, this is God's message, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed of leprosy. And when Naaman came back and he wanted to give all the gold and the clothing and everything he had brought with him to the prophet, Elisha refused. Why? Because he wanted all the glory to go to God. I don't want any of that. God did it all. Then we remember Gehazi, his assistant, said, Wow, that gold's really shiny. Well, I'd like to put a few pieces in my pocket. So he ran after the general. He said, Well, I might take a little bit, put it in his pocket. And what happened? He tried to hide it. And Elisha came over and said, What have you done? You've taken some of God's glory for what he did. And Gehazi ended up with the leprosy. We can't take God's glory. That belongs to Him for everything that He does, for every way that He works in our lives. God created mankind to honor and glorify Him, yet we fell in sin, but God provided a way of salvation. The choice is left up to the people of Israel, but with a stern warning, if that choice is idols over God, Israel would face consequences if they turned away from God. It says God will harm the nation of Israel. The word for harm means to afflict. Often Israel had been afflicted with being overrun by enemies, deported to foreign countries, all to teach that Almighty God is the God of Israel and no other gods, no other idols were to be placed before God. It says God will consume you. The word consume means to, to finish, complete, to be exhausted in the sense of reminding Israel they are God's chosen nation and they need to repent from their evil ways. God has done, has done so much good for Israel in deliverance, blessing, protection. Yet if the Jews chose to worship idols there would be consequences. By application to us, we need to always remember that when we put anything before God, we will face consequences. Why? Because we're on this earth how many times? One time. The journey we have on this earth for whatever time God chooses is one time to serve Him. God deserves our worship and no one else and nothing else. Tell inmates all the time, if God isn't number one in your life, you're going to get chaos. Because God has to be first. Told one inmate last week that when when God is number one, He brings order to our lives, doesn't He? Amen? Everything can look hopeless. God says, look at me, and suddenly there's hope. Because it's in Him who's promised to work out all things for his good which is our good and then we're also reminded when we warn others what does it say in Luke 6 why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye 6 verses 41 and 42 but do not perceive the plank in your own eye or how do you say to your brother let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself cannot see the plank that is in your own eye we got to get this huge plank out of our eye and then we're looking at a speck in our brother's eye. 
perspective again. Joshua warned those around him that God demands their worship, and if that worship goes elsewhere, there's going to be consequences. What are some conclusions? Idolatry is sin. I think we can see that here. 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Quite frankly, when we are getting our focus on idols, anything but God, we're serving those idols, we're wasting our time here on earth. We're not valuing it. It says, redeem the time. What does that mean? Value it. Thank God every day you woke up in the morning. I tell the inmates two things. And I try to remind myself, when you wake up in the morning, thank God He woke you up. you got a reason to be here. God wants to use you today. He wants to teach you today. He woke you up. You have a purpose. And secondly, and this is the hard one, God, what do you want to teach me today? Ooh. Well, I don't want to ask that one because as uh, the inmates in that service on Thursdays, what's the one thing we never get enough of is what? Starts with a P. Patience. Oh, whoa. No, John, don't mention patience. We don't want that. (laughs) We want it now, right? God says, wait on my timing because God's timing in every situation is perfect. If we place anything before God, it can become an idol when we have our focus, our energy, our emotions, all on that and not on God. It can include our jobs. I don't know, there was some word that from long ago I heard something about workaholic. I don't know what that is, but some archaic word. I'm sure we never have battled with that. Sports, video games. Oh, video games. Oh, well, I guess we don't really. An older generation like me, you know, I, I still remember Nintendo. And what was that thing you chased around? What was that? Pac-Man, right? I think they're even bringing it back now. But that, that can be an idol if we are spending our time on that instead of spending it on what God wants us to. When we see idolatry all around us, we must commit ourselves to God and keeping Him first and live like it, be committed to it, plus warn those who continue to worship idols ahead of God that there's consequences coming. It takes courage to speak up in these times of trouble. It takes courage to commit ourselves to obeying the true God. It takes courage to warn others there are consequences to idolatry. But Joshua spoke up. He committed his family and himself to God and warned those around him, turn from idolatry and worship and serve God. We too need to examine ourselves as we begin a new year concerning idolatry. Is there anything that's gotten in place of God in our lives? We need to honestly look at that. And if not, praise God. Continue walking with the Lord. Continue keeping Him number one. And every day make that commitment to say, I'm committed to serving you today, God. Because tonight we could be in glory. Amen? Any time. It could occur right now. We could hear the trumpet and we could be with the Lord forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the example of Joshua. May we learn from him how you used him for your glory. And may we too speak up if you call us to, 
to warn others and Father and also to be committed to, to serving you every day. Thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.